The sound of the highway is going from this to this. If you're still zooming from petrol station to petrol station, thinking about maybe plugging in instead, then this is a podcast for you. Should you join the electric vehicle movement? This Auckland electric car showroom set to welcome its biggest fleet of new EVs this month as more Kiwis rush to go electric. How we're going to electrify our transport fleet. As far as cars go, they've increased nine and a half times over the last five years. The Ministry of Transport is forecasting the pure electric fleet to more than double to up to as much as 150,000. I'm Tom Kitchen and today on The Detail, should we believe the hype over electric cars? What are the downsides? In what direction is the new government heading on this issue? National is promising to supercharge electric vehicle infrastructure by delivering 10,000 new charges by 2030. And the final part is our long-standing commitment to scrap the ute tax and the clean car discount. There's still some hesitancy when it comes to EVs. I'm not against electric cars, but I do see the hypocrisy. They're sold to us as the future. And although I'm more than happy to be proved wrong, they're actually nothing of the sort. We're still going to have to rely on fossil fuel. My concern with electric vehicles at the moment is both ends from manufacture to what we're going to do with the batteries in the future is going to affect the, the environment. Richard Edwards is the managing editor of Auto Media Group. I'm a journalist with a couple of decades' experience focusing on the automotive industry and particularly automotive retail. And in the last few years, I've kind of drifted along with one of my passions into uh, analysis and commentary on the electric vehicle market. Why is it a passion for you? I do love them for the technology and what they offer and what they can do. Um, I mean, you've got some relatively simple mass market cars now doing things that only supercars could do. 10 years ago, like? uh, based purely on being electric. Well, for example, the uh, MG4 X-Power in New Zealand, that's a family hatchback. It's under $70,000, which, despite some political things, is not an expensive car in New Zealand these days. And that thing will run from zero to 100 in 3.8 seconds. When I started as a motoring journalist 20 years ago, supercars weren't going that fast. And now you can do that in a glorified shopping trolley. So... <laughs> Uh, do you drive an EV yourself? I do, I do. We're on to our uh, second EV in the family. Um, we currently have a BYD Addo 3. So it's a, uh, I guess, a small to medium-sized SUV, a little bit smaller than, say, a RAV4. It uh, has a 60-kilowatt-hour battery. It'll do, in real world, about 350 kilometres of range, um, Pretty normal performance, lots of space, some cool gadgets. I've got an app I can unlock it and start it with the app and start the air conditioning. So if we're at the beach and it's hot, we can do that and it'll all um, uh, start running. Before you get in the car. Before you get in the car. They can do some really creative things and interesting things that are really useful. Um, Prime example of that is with the app. My wife was at the beach. She dropped her keys in the water. With my daughter, she was stuck with a screaming three-year-old on a hot day. I was able to unlock and start the car for her remotely so she could drive home. Oh, okay, there you go. Amazing. So uh, you're obviously talking a lot about the pluses about it. Are there any difficulties or challenges with it? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on how you clarify difficulties or challenges. Now, we are like most family. Our daily motoring needs are actually really small, 20 to 30 kilometres. So we actually don't charge our car that often. So in day-to-day use, there's not a lot to worry about. I mean, other than the fact that the car 
arguably is a little bit more expensive than what you could buy perhaps with a petrol motor. So that's just not really. I mean, if we're talking about issues with a lot of people can think of about range anxiety and bigger trips. What we know very clearly is that range anxiety for electric vehicles uh, and anxiety about whether they'll be able to get their vehicles charged is a reason for why Kiwis uh, is a barrier for them for actually embracing uh, EVs uh, as, as their next car choice. We've never found any real issues. I appreciate some people in some use cases and might not find them as useful. People have to do a lot of miles every day of the week. That particular model may not be the one for some people yet. Uh, but even then, it's not that bad. Now, what about the company that built Richard's car? A brand that's new on the motoring scene. I'm Warren Wilmot. I am the country manager for the electric car brand called BYD, which stands for Build Your Dreams, uh, which is now the world's largest electric car maker. So we make both EVs and also super plug-in hybrids, which we're about to launch in the New Zealand market. Okay, so where are the cars made? It's a Chinese company, right? Yep, so it's all made in China. It's a privately uh, owned company, listed on, sorry, listed on the Shenzhen Stock Exchange, so there's no involvement with the Chinese government. And uh, they make a lot of batteries for other car makers as well, so like Mercedes, Kia, Ford, Toyota, um, even Tesla. Tesla cars in New Zealand, a lot of them have BYD batteries in them. Okay, so what kind of cars do you have in the market in New Zealand at the moment? Yep, so we launched in June of 2022 with a car called the Addo 3. Uh, very quickly it rose to become the second best-selling EV in the New Zealand market. End of last year we launched a little car like a Corolla, it's called the BYD Dolphin. And we've just launched a um, very slick sedan called the BYD Seal. So... Um, ocean-themed names of those cars. And you're looking at bringing in hybrids a bit later. Yeah, so we've got a su- our very first super plug-in hybrid, um, which should be here in March. And I call it super hybrid because it actually recharges the batteries when the batteries go f- um, flat. You can run that car mostly on EV mode. But you're looking about over a 1,000 kilometres on a tank of fuel. Yeah. So why EVs? Why should we have an EV? What, what's your selling point? When well, it's all, about, it's, it's all about safeguarding the future, right? So it's about reducing those carbon emissions. How many people in New Zealand are doing that? Well, the uptake has changed hugely over recent years. Here's Richard Edwards. The big thing people are talking about is the big jump in EVs we've seen over the last couple of years since the clean car discount came in. Today, we are announcing a clean car discount to help Kiwis fight climate change by making the cleanest cars more affordable to buy. We've ramped up from next to nothing four or five years ago through to, I think we're hitting about 70,000 EVs in New Zealand. I think we peaked out close to mid-20% share of the passenger car market last year. That's substantial. And yes, a lot of that was down at the clean car discount. A lot of that though, was just organic. At the same time as the clean car discount came in, we saw a lot of really popular cars for New Zealanders come onto the market as well. Things like the BYD Addo, the Tesla Model Y, the MG4, uh, the Volkswagen ID4. These are cars that would have done well uh, with no subsidy or with the subsidy. So not all of that growth is down to the clean car discount. Uh, A lot of that also came down to just people wanting the tech or simply how expensive fuel has gotten or people like me who just love the concept of a good gadget. Yeah, I read that from 2021 to 2022, the increase in our uptake was the third highest in the world. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. After India and Brazil. Yeah, 
Yeah, now the discount has a lot to do with that. But as we said, we also had New Zealand was kind of in a really sweet spot for new electric vehicles arriving from overseas. It all aligned at the same time. And the clean car discount is gone now, but that was obviously a big lever in changing people's use and changing to electric cars. What other levers has the government used over time? Well, I think one of the big levers they had, of course, was the uh, exemption from RUC. That was very appealing. Road user charges? Yeah, it was road user charges, particularly to uh, fleets and some users. Uh, The other thing that's been very helpful with the rollout was the uh, low emissions contestable fund that uh, the National Party put in in their prior time in government. Mm. Um, That's one of the reasons why we have such a strong EV infrastructure here compared to, say, Australia. Electric vehicles are the way of the future, but Australia's patchy network of charging stations continues to let drivers down. That off the back of uh, private investment from companies, particularly ChargeNet. Um, their founder, Steve West, and his family are massive EV advocates, and they invest a lot of money alongside that low emissions contestable fund to roll out uh, hundreds of fast chargers in New Zealand. The other thing we've had, too, is access to relatively cheap used import electric vehicles from Japan. They were a big part in our initial ramp up, you know, Nissan Leafs and, and Nissan MV200s and a few other models. That's playing less of a role in the market now because we want more and more volume of electric vehicles and they are kind of capped um, simply because of the volume available out of Japan and other markets isn't that strong. Here's Warren with a few more details. There were two, essentially two taxes. So we had the clean car discount, right, which is now finished. So that was where if you bought a cleaner car, you got a rebate. If you're a bad guy or a ute or a high-emitting CO2, you had to pay a fee. Some of those were up to six, $6,000 in tax. So that finished on the f- uh, 31st of December. But in the background, there's, a, there's another tax called the clean car standard. This is Transport Minister Simeon Brown. We will keep the clean car standard. We're committed to doing that mm. to ensure that Uh, vehicle importers who are bringing cars into New Zealand must bring in a cleaner mix of vehicles Mm. over time. They're actually talking about changing the name to the clean car importer um, standard. So it's a fee that us at head offices have to pay um, if we're bringing in high-emitting CO2 cars. So it pushes the cost of high-emitting CO2 vehicles up. But then next year, the target gets lower and lower and lower, so it gets harder and harder, and basically the cost of, um, say, utes or commercial vehicles is really going to go up um, by thousands of dollars. So, hang on, after campaigning against Labor's so-called ute tax, National is retaining the clean car standard policy that amounts to a ute tax? It's a complicated formula, but vehicles with high weight to emission calculations will be getting more expensive. That will capture both some farm vehicles and, for example, Suzuki Swifts, which it turns out belch a lot of CO2 for such a small car. Look, I think the industry um, has a combined view that the clean car standard is a good thing because it forces manufacturers or importers to bring in as lower emitting vehicles as they can. Um, As far as a rebate and a clean car discount, for our business it was fabulous. Our customers were getting a lot of money off the government to make those decisions. But um, even without the rebate, the cost benefit of owning an EV outweighs buying a, a, a petrol or an ice car. Yeah, but how have you heard from other people in the industry about how much a clean car discounts affected them for like more higher emitting those 
produces that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So like we saw a big downturn in the industry of people buying utes, right? So it had the desired effect. Um, I think the government didn't realise how effective the clean car discount was. If we look at December, we sold 653 pure electric vehicles just from BYD. It was a huge month. Everybody was racing to go and, and grab the discount while they can. Obviously that's had an effect, so this month being January, um, our sales are nowhere near that at all. What it's done is it has taken anybody that was thinking about buying an electric car, they bought their buying decision forward. Also, fleets also bought their buying decisions forward. So if you were planning to buy 100 cars in your fleet next year, well that's um, nearly $700,000 worth of savings. So yep, it's basically robbed some of the sales from the first quarter. What does Richard Edwards think about the clean car discount going? I think it's um, concerning that they have taken it away and I feel like in some ways it's been done more on a political basis than necessarily a smart basis. There are a lot of benefits to clean car discount if you look broader at the emissions profile and how it impacts the emissions profile in New Zealand. Uh, the reality is, is that the government's probably going to have to find emission savings in other areas now they've taken away that tool. The clean car discount I think was somewhat unfairly maligned, and this is the fault of previous Transport Minister Michael Wood, in that it was always meant to be a more active system and very regularly updated to account for and balance for the number of vehicles coming into the country. And he actually went somewhat against advice, I believe, in that he first bought it in for EVs before they bought in the fees for the high emitting vehicles. So you had this gap where they burnt through a lot of money initially before they were bringing money in the door. And then he didn't update it as regularly as it was supposed to. Now, if the system had been run in the way it was intended and more regularly reviewed, those differences wouldn't have been so dramatic and so newsworthy. And then they may not have been quite the political football. My bigger concern around the headlines around the clean car discount was this whole thing about how it was subsidising millionaires buying Teslas. What it's been mm. successful at is taxing people who don't have a choice and subsidise those who already do. I mean, there's an element of truth in that. Sure, there's some people who are millionaires who bought Teslas. Let's be clear, the Teslas were the highest volume vehicles sold under the clean car discount. But $80,000 is not an expensive car in New Zealand these days. It is almost kind of like verging on mainstream. And if we talk about utes, most utes that are transacting are at around that price by the time you put the whole deal together. Very few people go out and buy the basic $50,000 ute. By and large, they're going off and buying the XLT or the, the higher spec model and chucking stuff on it. Millennials are off buying potentially far more expensive cars, though the smart ones obviously said, well, there's some money there, let's get it. Mm. From what mm. I've seen in the market, what the clean car discount actually did was bring a lot of people who would never buy a new car before into the market for a new car. So what that meant is we had families who traditionally wouldn't be able to afford something like that going and buying a uh, an electric vehicle, a new electric vehicle, which had the benefits of they're spending less on fuel, they're spending less on maintenance, and they are uh, also um, putting a safer car on the fleet, essentially. Mm. Um, it wasn't a perfect system. It should have been run better. It was definitely punishing and unfair to certain sectors of the market. It wasn't particularly equitable. It was a bit of a mess overall, but it did do what it was set out to do, which was to raise the number of electric vehicles on the New Zealand market. The government has also said from April, electric car users will have to start paying road user charges. And they say that they've, their proposal to bring 10,000 new electric chargers around the country will help the uptake. Do you agree with that? Uh, yes, I think to an extent. The uh, let's, let's deal with road user charges first, 
first, first step through that. Sure. A lot of people who bought EVs in recent years were expecting road user charges to arrive. I think the issue perhaps to some in when it comes to road user charges is that an electric hatchback, you know, a, a small electric hatchback is saying the, paying the same rate as a large diesel pickup truck or, or van. Uh, and some people think there's a lack of equity in that situation, and and they are right to an extent. Mm, okay, well, yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot of work with that. But what about the electric charges as well, adding the 10,000, as they say? Yeah, so I think that that is um, an, an admirable plan. They haven't said what those charges will be and how they're going to fund that or what they're going to whether that's going to be in partnership with uh, private companies, whether they're going to do some themselves. So really the devil on that one's going to be in the detail, uh, amusingly. To be honest, I don't have that many issues charging at the moment. I very, very rarely have to queue for a charger, and few of the people I deal with who run EVs on a regular basis uh, have the same issue. Um, There have been some holes, particularly in the South Island, but a lot of those have been tidied up over the last year or two, and the private market is continuing to do that at pace. Mm. Uh, Z Energy and BP have joined ChargeNet recently in rolling out fairly substantial charging networks, Mm. and they're doing it fast, very fast. And you have so many charging options that it's going to be interesting to see where they think they can add these 10,000 charges and what kind of difference it'll actually make in the near term. Uh, but do you think actually having 10,000 electric charges and more charges are actually going to tempt people into buying electric vehicles? Wouldn't a price point at the point of sale or a discount encourage people more? Well, I think what it will do is it just removes one of those arguments that some people put out there. I'd have an EV, but I drive to Taupo and I need to stop and charge. It, it, it removes one of the arguments. It removes one of the impediments. Okay. Um, That's a good I, way to look at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I think, to be honest, an incentive at the point of sale is probably more helpful. Though we are reaching the point where some of these cars are actually getting pretty darn close to cost parity in some cases. Cost parity, you mean like between the same, a, between a petrol yeah, and yeah. a not, not in all cases, but we're getting closer on that kind of uh, that kind of cost basis where maybe that subsidy isn't necessarily needed. There's definitely a little bit of pushback and apprehension from people when it comes to getting EVs. Do you find that writing about it? What do people tell you? The classic one is because I can jump in my diesel ute and drive all the way to Wellington in a day and turn around and come back and do it on a tank of gas and five minutes at a petrol station. That's kind of the big thing. People talk about a lot about uh, battery failures. Battery failure is... Uh, a very, very rare thing. Battery degradation is real. But even battery degradation, we're seeing a lot less of these days. Um, A lot of people, a lot of the vehicles that are coming into New Zealand have moved to an LFP battery, which is a battery which is uh, a lot more resistant to degradation than the traditional batteries we've seen come through. Technology has gotten better, and we understand a lot more about how to look after those batteries. Mm. The other one you hear so often is uh, concerns around the sourcing of cobalt in batteries and some of the minerals in batteries. Again, LFP batteries, which make up the bulk of the batteries coming into new EVs in New Zealand, have no cobalt in them. So all the stuff you see overseas about cobalt, which is, I think, somewhat beaten up at times as well, doesn't actually apply to most of these vehicles that we are seeing. And in regards to the scarcity of resource, again, that's an issue that a lot of people raise. Well, I've seen some figures now that in Europe they're looking at about 95% recyclability on these batteries. So these resources can go straight back into the production line to build more batteries. Well, there's a bit of talk about speculation that if you have a fire, firefighters won't help you unless uh, you've disconnected your battery from the power source. Is that true? 
Uh, my understanding of a lot of it is that the fire services have actually received training or have been rolling out training in regards to electric vehicles. All these electric vehicles are designed with cut points or pull points that can disconnect the high-voltage battery from the vehicle and make it safe to fight the fire. But the actual underlying thing to all that, you see those headlines, but if you scratch down to the statistics, new electric vehicles are way less likely to catch fire than other vehicles. And it's a lot less likely. So an EV is 20 times less likely to catch fire than an internal combustion engine car. There's no hot moving parts. Okay, Things do go wrong, right? And when, when they do catch fire, they, they're very, very hard to put out. Where are those um, stats from, the 20%? Oh, there's lots of studies all around the world. I think if you look at Norway, they've done a, a study over 600,000 um, cars in their market that are EVs, and they've compared how many incidents of EV fires compared to um, internal combustion engine fires. It's yeah, They're very, very safe. I want to take you through something that uh, the now Transport Minister Simeon Brown said mm-hmm. a, li- a little while ago. You had the farmers and tradies out there who were buying these expensive mm-hmm. utes, mm-hmm and needed them, but... These people are hard-working farmers and tradies. It's a kick in the guts. Are there any options for farmers and tradies out there? Absolutely. So right now, um, there's one electric ute on the market, and it, it's OK, it's only two-wheel drive. It probably doesn't do what most people want it to do, so that's the LDV uh, ET60. Um, but uh, we're very excited. We have our first EV uh, electrified ute. It's a super plug-in hybrid and we're hoping to have that um, released at the field days in June this year. So that technology is coming along in leaps and bounds. In New Zealand at the moment with the new government being voted in, there seems like there's a bit of a backlash against EVs. So are you sure there's going to be a, a positive future for you and your industry? Yep. Look, at the end of the day... The lack of the rebate and maybe the addition of rucks will have an effect on our retail sales. I'm picking between 20 and 30%, possibly less um, people buying the car. But we still have corporates that want to decarbonise. We still have government departments that have to decarbonise. So all government departments have to go uh, 100% zero emission by the end of 2025. Finally, I just want you to sell an EV to someone like me. (laughs) I'm a middle-income New Zealander. I don't have a hell of a lot of savings in the bank. The thing that really puts me off about EV is the cost. I mean, when you say 80000 that kind of freaks me out a little bit. Um, uh, But I might want to move towards a more sustainable way of driving. Why should I buy an EV? Well, I think the first question is, should you? An EV, I will be quite blunt, is not necessarily the right vehicle for everyone at the moment. And if you're not doing any mileage, uh, or you live in the inner city, you you may be better off without a car, you might be better with an e-bike, or you might be better off with a uh, a, a used or cheaper hybrid. That could be the more cost-effective uh, transport option for you. But if you do do some miles, you don't have to spend $80,000 on an EV. There's plenty of good options in the used market if, if you can afford it, uh, which what are your actual needs? Now, the biggest thing I'll say to people is you don't have to pay for gas anymore, and that's massive. And the gas prices are only going to go up. We all see what's going on in the Red Sea at the moment. Uh, Even with RUC, an EV is still generally going to be cheaper to operate than a petrol vehicle. And once the RUC, uh, the road user charge is coming across the market, it will be continue to be a lot back to what it was before, a lot cheaper to operate than a petrol vehicle. And the thing is, there might be that big set up costs at the start to buy it but then the actual maintenance and also the operations is cheaper. Do you really enjoy going to gas stations? Oh no, I can get over it I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for today. 
thanks to Richard Edwards and Warren Wilmot. This episode of The Detail was engineered by Phil Bench. It was produced by Alexia Russell and Davina Zimmer. And I'm Tom Kitchen. Thanks to RNZ and NZ On Air. Ma Tewa.